to Confessions of an Eco Warrior, the podcast that explores the possibilities, challenges and contradictions of attempting to reduce our impact on the planet. This week we are going to talk about fast fashion in light of the January sales. So at this time, usually on the podcast, we disclose a confession or an eco-worry, but Becky's husband thought we were being way too negative. So instead, had the lovely idea of ending 2019 with some positives about the environment. I have some information from the Happy Broadcast. Two of my favourite in Holland, they covered hundreds of bus stops this year with plants and greenery to sort of encourage and create these green roofs where bees could take refuge. I absolutely love that. It makes me so happy. I mean, yeah, it's a step towards, you know, preventing the bee apocalypse, okay. uh, which is really sweet. And you had another one that I And loved. Uh, the other one that um, South Korea has apparently gone from only recycling 2% of their food waste to 95% of their food waste. That's insane. I think we should be saying, excuse me, South Korea, how have you done that? Because that's incredible. Wow. I think that's, and that is a really good reason to be happy. I just think it's really nice to kind of have a positive message with all the sort of like anxiety that we can often feel about the climate and uh, the climate crisis. Uh, So it's something nice to end 2019. And I guess when Becky said, let's do something positive, I sent out my Christmas email last week that we talked about on podcast three, say just to my friends and family, just to say again, this year we won't be giving out gifts you know feel free to donate money to charity but you don't need to get me anything because we're not doing it and I had such lovely responses from my friends and family and I've said they've been really supportive but this year was especially lovely and it's really nice that people are sort of responding and saying actually we've been trying to do things differently and it just filled me with Christmas joy and I oh, feel that's yeah, really nice really lovely. Um, and just nice that I guess it shows a lot more people are thinking yeah. about this That is a real good reason to be happy, right? Yeah, that they're being kind of more considerate. And actually, I guess people are realising they don't want things that they don't need. Yeah, Um, and it's really nice to not feel like I'm being preachy or weird. Because when I first sent the email out, I thought, what response am I going to get to this? What are people going to think? Are they going to ignore me? Are they going to, you know... Are they going to respond as per my previous year's email response? And no, I want presents. (laughs) But thankfully, I have really great friends and family, so I'm just really grateful. This week, we've already said that we are going to explore a little bit around the fast fashion industry, how clothes are made, where they come from, how much money it generates, and then really talk about how that has an impact on us, particularly when we go into times of year, like, for example, the January sales, where there are tons and tons of clothes all on offer, reduced by 50%, 70%, you know, extra voucher codes for online websites and I guess how to sort of resist the temptation of this. Mm So I wanted to start with a little bit about how our clothes are made and that sort of thing. But I thought I would mention that I did my research um, through a browser. You can get a browser extension for, you know, Chrome or Firefox or Internet Explorer, whichever you're using, called Ecosia, E-C-O-S-I-A. Okay, I've never heard of Ecosia. Tell us more. So it's essentially a browser extension, but it's still a search engine. So you would, it's like Google, really. You would just do your searches through Ecosia. Okay. And every time you do a search, they make money through advertising. And with that money, they plant trees oh that's really nice and what i love is they don't just plant any old tree there's um, a lot of information about they plant the right trees in the right places which maybe we'll talk about in a future podcast um, but i just think it's awesome so i wanted to mention that that's where i've been doing my research and one of the main websites i've been on this week is for the soil association if you haven't heard of them they are amazing i love them so much i am a member they campaign for us in the uk they have been going for like 70 years they first introduced the certification for what is classified as organic Mm -hmm. Um, they campaign about and do research about 
um, our health and the food that we eat, the environment and animal welfare. Basically, if you buy milk, organic milk or variety of organic products, actually, and you see the Soil Association logo, you can feel really confident that it is organic to strict standards. Because I know this is something we'll talk about later, but people get really nervous about what organic actually means. Okay, that's really interesting. I had heard of the Soil Association before, but not necessarily knew kind of all the different things that they did for us. That's really cool. And then how does that kind of, I guess, attach itself to our topic today? Okay, so they've got a whole section about fashion on the Soil Association website. I would highly recommend you take a look. Essentially, they break it down really well. So many of us don't realise that what we wear started off life in soil. So cotton is grown in a field, that fluffy fibre is picked and then spun into thread. And once it's woven, this light, breathable, easy to work material is created. And about half of the clothes sold in the UK are made from cotton. Now, I think cotton is... Is it cotton that's the second biggest consumer of water? No, it's just the fashion industry in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just wanted to mention that water scarcity is one of the top 10 global risks to society in the next 10 years. And the majority of cotton is grown in countries facing water shortages. And interestingly, I found in some of my research that apparently it takes 700 gallons of water to make one cotton t-shirt. Which considering, you know, that's that's one item, that's an insane amount of water. And I guess to, I, I don't know if this does break it down anymore for our listeners, but that's actually enough water to keep one person hydrated for almost three years. That's insane. And it's really hard to understand that those sort of stats and get your mm-hmm. head around it. But essentially, organic cotton has significantly fewer negative impacts on water than non-organic. And, you know, some of that is linked to the use of pesticides and incesticides and how that drifts into waterways um, okay. and contaminates and that sort of thing. So in comparison, let's think about, say, polyester as a fabric. By definition, it's synthetic, which made, means it's made by chemical synthesis rather than from natural materials. So natural materials would be wool, cotton, linen, yeah. silk. It's first marketed in 1951, but it's petroleum based. So essentially, polyester is plastic. It's spun into fibre. It's extremely strong. Quick drying, if you think of your sportswear, long lasting and water resistance. Yeah, and I think that's that's actually was quite a realisation to me, even though it's one of those things you think, oh, that was really obvious, but then you didn't know that I hadn't thought about the fact that my sports leggings, my, my sports bras, or anything that has like lycra in it ha- is essentially made from plastic. And then sometimes that comes back to the fact that plastic almost becomes a sort of like invisible part of our culture because it's Mm -hmm. literally like woven into everything. Yeah. And then interestingly, like when I was reading about it, so polyester has a reputation for being environmentally unsound, right? Because it's petroleum based. But there is sort of an argument that even natural fibres, if they're grown with harsh pesticides, unsustainably harvested, transported, bleached, dyed then actually, to some extent, polyester may be more environmentally friendly in comparison. And I think this is where you start to get... This is why we do this podcast, right? Because it it starts to get really confusing. Yeah, yeah. Polyester fibre can also be manufactured from recycled materials. And as petroleum becomes more scarce, polyester may no longer become as as inexpensive to make. So it may force manufacturers to experiment with some other um, materials and that sort of thing. But basically, I wanted to bring it up because... It's worth mentioning that, you know, it is longer lasting and if you're not going to be able or you're not in a position to buy cotton that's um, more sustainably sourced then, or if you already own polyester items, don't be like throwing them out with your Yeah, and as somebody with maybe sort of more curvy thighs, having things <laughs> are kind of don't have any stretch in them sometimes or don't have that sort of hard wearing mm-hmm. stretch is not always practical because like, for example, my thighs might rub out a pair of jeans yeah. or something a lot a lot more quickly than they would with others. So like, for example, 
if I was wearing linen trousers yeah. and I like wearing them in the summer to work but actually they they don't last more than a, a summer season for me yeah and actually linen's a lot harder to repair than than other I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of part of the argument isn't it that we're trying basically one of the main tips from today is going to be to try and make your clothes last longer but like you say if you're using natural um, materials then maybe they don't seem to last as long so there's definitely arguments to and from yeah mm-hmm. and i mean there is also the argument that there's lots of research into the particles when you wash um polyester particularly say you washed a fleece that the beads of plastic um, and the threads i forget what the exact word is is getting like the microplastic that's it yeah, yeah. is like getting into the waterways so um there's lots of different products you can buy that you can potentially wash your stuff in but essentially the best thing you can do is wash those sort of things as little as possible okay that's a good tip Okay, so Becky, you always hit us with the facts and I always love it. So tell me some more key facts for this week. Okay, so you've told us a little bit about uh, what things are made of and uh, I guess why is the textile industry such a huge business? Well, the textile industry, including fabric, clothing, footwear, accessories and other sort of miscellaneous goods, is worth $3 trillion. It's a figure, again, that I can't No, fathom. like, I think, is that even more than what's-his-face from Amazon, Jeff Bezos <laughs> owns? So, I mean, it's not an amount that we can that we can fathom, really. And 40% of apparel sold in the USA comes from China. Okay. Um, but I've got a few more facts about kind of where our clothes and things come from in, in a second. Okay. It's interesting that the average person buys 60% more clothes year on year, and the average lifetime of a piece of clothing is three years. Wait a minute, so, so technically we buy more every year? Yes. Okay. So because our consumer shopping habits are changing, mm. it's there's a lot of convenience now, a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, I guess, online shopping, which I have been somebody who has done that a lot of that myself, is that so year on year we are being sort of encouraged or consuming more okay. clothes than we did on previous years. And interestingly, 15 years ago, the average lifetime of a piece of clothing was actually six years. Right. So if you think about the differences or the yeah. shift from the way we used to purchase things mm-hmm. 15 years ago to the way that we purchase them now. I see. Yeah. Uh, that's probably encouraging some of our consuming habits. Okay. Next fact. If we extended the use of our clothes by as little as three months per item, it would reduce the water, waste and carbon footprint carbon footprint generation. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, just failing today. Uh, sorry, listeners. Uh, so d- let me start again. If we extended the use of our clothes by as little as three months per item, it would reduce the water, waste and carbon footprint generation by five to ten percent. I love that. If we think about, you know, that item of clothing that you think, oh, am I going to wear this again? Shall I just throw it out? Could I, you know, repair that pair of trousers that has worn through on the thighs? Mm-hmm. You know, if you could even make it last just that three months longer, it would have a massive impact. That's really inspiring, actually, because you can so easily convince yourself to get rid of things and they might not be good enough quality to give to charity, which means effectively they might get, they might in a perfect world get right, recycled down into other materials. But, mm-hmm. you know, evidence shows that doesn't always happen. So extending it even by a few more months, it's always worth it. I really like that. Yeah, and it's just it's something that's achievable. So if you mm. think about, okay, I'm not going to have to hold on to this for five, ten years, you never know, you might. Yeah. But if you just t- think about it in terms of, okay, I'll hold it on to it for a little bit longer. Let's yeah. see if I use it. Let's see if I repair it. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's so achievable, like you say, yeah. Yeah. 
okay, a few more facts. 1.13 million tons of clothing was purchased in the UK in 2016. Terrifying. Again, can't even imagine that. And also there's lots to be said around the clothes that don't get purchased. Like what happens to them? I've got that in my list. Oh, I actually okay. had a fact. It's not a fact. I just put what happens to clothes yeah, when they are we don't know. Sold. Can somebody but tell us? It's huge. Well, I know I've read newspaper stories in the past about people um, about clothes that haven't been sold getting destroyed because they don't want to be no. uh, bin diving and finding them. So yeah. they literally set them on Destroy fire. Them. That's yeah. insane. Terrifying. And I know, and I won't share the name of the company, mm. but I know somebody who works for a uh, a big uh, fashion brand. Who, <laughs> that you are uh, almost whispering. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> uh, who actually had some sort of changes in the way that they wanted to design a particular clothing line and as a result uh, decided to get rid of everything that they had prepared or kind of designed and made for that particular oh season God. i mean i don't know if i should share that on this podcast but uh, the person who told me that probably isn't going to listen and hopefully it's not immediately obvious who the company no, is it's not i haven't got a clue heartbreaking my god Okay, so just to kind of finish up with our facts, I think something else that's a really important consideration is apart from the fact we've kind of talked about how it has a big impact on the environment to make these clothes, it actually isn't always the most ethical Mm -hmm. industry either. Mm -hmm. So out of 219 popular fashion brands, only 20, sorry, only 12% demonstrate making efforts to pay their workers above the level of minimum wage. Heartbreaking. And have you ever considered where our clothes have made? No, I, I really, I'm glad that you've done this. Yeah, so um, I just picked some brands that, that are particularly big on the British high street. So, for example, Gap. The clothes from Gap ha- are made in Hong Kong and the Philippines. Okay. The H&M, they make their clothes in Bangladesh, Bulgaria, Hong Kong, India and Turkey. Honestly, I never think about this. I'm so glad you're telling us. And then in Marks and Spencer, you know, an, an institution, uh, it is actually, it is a mixture and some are kind of sort of Western Europe, others kind of in more developing countries. So their clothes are made in the UK, Belgium, Austria, Germany, Morocco and Indonesia. Wow. Okay. And it's a real difference then yeah. right, between each store. Um, and it, I think I was surprised to find that out because I think you assume a lot of the time that clothes are made in... China. Yeah, uh, I always uh, just assume it's It is China. a massive assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it does have the biggest market share mm. in the textile production industry. Mm. However, in when kind of looking at the fact that China has had to have, I think, massive reform on the way that they treat their workers, their mm. factories, that actually the wages have increased in China by about 285% over a 14-year period. Oh, and now people have just shifted and they're not using them anymore. Yeah, oh. which, you know, they still own a massive market share. Let's not, you know, yeah. uh, you know yeah. not say that. But actually, countries like Vietnam, Bangladesh, and actually particularly Me- Mexico, which is at the bottom of the pile for sort of mm. average wagely, uh, average monthly wages of about $200, okay. which is not a livable wage. No. So what we hope for is that you know these other countries do that follow suit with what China's doing. Exactly. Then. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you'd want, if you want to find out more about this, I'd encourage you to look up uh, Fashion Revolution, uh, which we will post a link to, and they are all about kind of making brands think more ethically, treat their workers better, and also be more environmentally conscious around the clothes that they're making. Yeah, and I'd never heard of this. The I happened to mention before we started recording that I'd seen a quote from Emma Watson, um, and she said something about being on the red carpet, and she always gets asked, who are you wearing, rather than 
um, how were your clothes made or where were your clothes made or who made your clothes and it's just about the questioning that we're asking and I, like you mentioned that the fashion revolution is kind of drawing attention to those things exactly like they have a fashion revolution week I think it's in April next year where uh, the whole campaign is around sort of a hashtag who made my clothes mm-hmm. or who made your clothes I love that and I guess to be honest the two things we should have mentioned right at the start is the fashion industry is the second most polluting industry and, and it represents about 8-10% to 10% of carbon emissions I am a bit obsessed with the thought of this topic particularly from something that I studied while I was at university there was this huge January sales marketing campaign that was like a collaboration between Selfridges and kind of this artist called Barbara Cougar yeah and I'd never heard of this until Becky like showed me all of the information and to be fair I'm not you know neither of us are Londoners kind of born and bred so it's not like we would have been shopping in Selfridges uh, even if we were like (laughs) that's not where my bank balance takes me but there was this massive campaign which if you google Barbara Kruger you can find it all and see a lot of her different works and it was quite controversial at the time so for example some of the slogans from this campaign in Selfridges things like uh, I shop therefore I am it's you it's new it's everything it's nothing you want it you buy it you forget it and was really sort of I guess on the one hand, you could say that, okay, these messages are kind of making fun of us as consumers, that, you know, we're the ones that are kind of, you know, the fools here. We're seeing all these massive slogans and Selfridges, yet, you know, the irony is we're, we're coming in to buy clothes. But then on the other hand, mm. the controversy was, well, you know, Barbara Kruger is supposed to be kind of this artist speaking out against the establishment and, and sexism and, you know, is fighting for feminist ideals and yet at the same time she's struck in this massive deal with Selfridges to do this marketing campaign for the January sales. Oh I see I wouldn't have thought of that angle I can only see the positives out of it but you're absolutely right yeah that's interesting yeah it's I love those slogans so much it's but the irony of people yeah being surrounded by them and I hope there's people you know saw those signs and it walked straight out but they're probably like yeah i wondered what it would have been really interesting to what the psychological approach would be you know you'd enter selfridges mm. uh, in the january sales so maybe it's on you know i, I guess boxing day because it yeah. starts as early as that right yeah. and you see a huge slogan that says uh, you want it you buy it you forget it is that going to deter you from probably per- making not. your purchase isn't that sad yeah i don't think it would have had the effect. I don't know, was there like a re- thing behind it? Like it was just a display and... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like just visual uh, displays, kind of not really much uh, sort of imagery attached to it. Mm. Red, black, white slogans. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's incredible. But but obviously on reflection, really thought provoking. Yeah. So I, I would encourage you all to Google that and have discussions about what you think. <laughs> My guess relationship with the January sales is that I am a massive shopper. I've already talked about in my in, my, in our previous podcast mm. about me being a, a recovering gift lover. <laughs> and I am definitely, this, I guess, entire podcast episode today is my eco-fail in mm. that I do love shopping and I definitely get sucked into that whole culture of, okay, you're seeing sort of brands that you follow online or influencers and they're styling these really lovely pieces and especially when they're affordable and you're thinking, oh, okay, well, I'm, I've got a night out planned or a nice dinner or, I, you know, I need to buy something new for that. I have nothing to wear when I... Mm-hmm definitely have a wardrobe and several drawers full of clothes at home yeah yeah and it's interesting as you were talking then I was just thinking I'm of a completely I'm the other scale of that in that I feel like I, you know I don't own many clothes and I don't I really hate shopping I've always hated shopping at some point I realized that I didn't need to do it anymore and I just feel good but my eco feel is that I still end up feeling pretty poor like I go to a yeah. lot of situations feeling like I don't look as good as everybody else Aww. and even though deep down I don't care I do obviously care because I care what other people think mm-hmm. so 
I, I guess I wanted to bring that up because I don't want to be saying it's easy to do this stuff. That's kind of part of the confessions part of this podcast is, you know, I don't, I don't, I shop in charity shops. I don't own a lot of clothes. I get a lot of secondhand stuff from like family members. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's easy and that's it. And I'm ethical and I, I can be principled. I spend a very large amount of time still feeling like I don't look good enough and I have to fight that quite a lot. So yeah. it's not ever going to be this really easy thing. No. And it shows that there's a lot of pressure uh, like for example we've talked about before that I use social media a lot mm-hmm. you don't but at the same time we still feel similar pressures yeah even if we're experiencing it from a, a different viewpoint and I think obviously I'm not going to say that uh, men or um, people of other other in the gender spectrum mm-hmm. don't experience this too but I think it is a particular pressure on women uh, people are, yeah women people identifying as women to to look a certain way and that's the fact that that's deep-rooted into our subconscious is oh, definitely you can't escape it yeah it's a really good point so I guess my final point on this section is that even though the January sales are there it's not something that we necessarily need to pursue like I've gone past shops that I love for example I'm a massive Oliver Bonus fan and you know the shop looks beautiful it's very well presented and if particularly if I see new season or sale or discount immediately I'm like well I get this thing inside me I'm like oh my god I have to buy something Mm. now otherwise I'm gonna miss out and lose out forever yeah which is an extremely dramatic and inaccurate way to think yeah but there's something about the way that shops and sales and discounts are presented to us and that you know the inner consumer in us thinks that we need it now. And it's almost fighting against their marketing technique, exactly. isn't it? And being aware of what they're capable of doing to our psychology. Yeah. yeah. And it's just that two-sided coin to think about is that in the sales, when things are, you know, I've got a 50% or 70% reduction, is it you are using this to purchase something that you would quite like that you'd never usually be able to afford? Mm-hmm. Or is it that you're getting this rush to purchase things because they are discounted? So things that you wouldn't usually buy, but because you're finding it in on the sale rack, you know, there's that um, Alan Carr joke about, you know, going through the racks at TK Maxx to find something good. Uh, You know, is that, you know, what's, what is you hoping to get the rush of actually purchasing and getting loads of money off or actually finding an item that, that you would really appreciate buying something that you wouldn't usually be able to afford. Yeah, you're going purposefully into it with an idea of exactly what you're looking for out of the sales. Like you say, something that you wouldn't usually be able to afford and something that you're going to make last for a really long time. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's a good approach to think about ahead yeah. of January sales. And, and I've definitely been that person who's gone and bought in bulk. Like, for example, uh, you know, I think plenty of people have seen, say, the next sales, for example, on uh, around Christmas time. You know, it's Boxing Day. People are camped outside. You know, Sharon from down the road is like, well, I'm going to get, you know, <laughs> all of my all of my things that I need for the entire family and for the next three Christmases in this, yeah. in this next sale and I've definitely been on that website actually at midnight Mm -hmm. on Christmas day to buy kind of my work items and things like that heavily reduced yeah you know I can definitely reflect on that and think actually would some of those items that I bought at that time I probably wouldn't have bought had they not been reduced and people take pride in that too like if you someone then says you look nice in something you then want to sort of say actually I got in sales like go me I did something great but actually I can't I'd hope that we can move towards the idea of like someone saying actually I've owned this for 10 years and that's the pride that you've taken it yeah um I guess I wanted to bring up so there's two women in America the two campaigns so one's called the uniform project and one's called one outfit 100 days and these two women in America for varying periods of time just wore the same outfit every single day 
And I just thought that was so incredible. And the reason I bring it up is because we always want to talk about what's like what environmental ideas are actually accessible to different people. Mm-hmm. So in a little bit, I'm going to describe about how you can um, work out how, where you can buy organic and sustainable okay. clothing from. But obviously, the price tag is going to be higher. So if you can't afford to buy those products, what are the accessible ideas that you sure. could do? That's um, really helpful. And these two women have just done these amazing campaigns and shown that no one really noticed that they were wearing the same outfit every day. Mm-hmm. And I think... And I've kind of taken the same approach, but inspired by Barack Obama. So I mean, that's a good person to inspire by, right? Yeah. Anyone who knew we were going to talk about him on a fast fashion po- uh, podcast. I hope he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be so great if he is. For basically, I read, and I hope this is true because I've told so many people that for the duration of his eight years as president, he wore the same suit, like not physically the same suit, like he had yeah. one make of suit of which he wore the same one, mm-hmm. so that he eliminate. Basically, he did it for a process of eliminating the choices he had to make. There's a real um, advantages to wearing the same thing, like this woman in the uniform project, because. It, it, it makes your life easier and you're buying less and yeah. you're maintaining this like one set of items. Anyway, I've taken the same approach. So I'm lucky enough that I can wear black jeans for work. I know yeah. a lot of people aren't allowed to wear jeans. So I wear, I now have a couple of pairs of the same pair of black jeans. And by just wearing those jeans every day, but with a different blouse or a different top or a different cardigan or whatever, I can wear the same shoes, which means all it eliminates so much of the choices I have to make every day about, yeah. oh, well, if I wear these this dress, I need to wear these tights and I'll, I'll look stupid with my rucksack on when I'm travelling to work. Yeah. And, oh, what about this? The, all the different choice accessories yeah. and whatever. You don't need coats in about 10 different lengths. <laughs> yeah, it reduces the amount of additional things you have to think about if you just yeah. wear the same thing every day. And it's just made my life so much easier. And I just think that's an accessible way to look at this. Yeah, and I think uh, the the concept of capsule wardrobe is like definitely not a new one. No, you probably remember, I guess, Gokwan show how to good how to look good naked. Oh yeah, I do remember. Uh, I never and, watched it, but I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know that was all around building this sort of capsule wardrobe mm. and making making decisions easier for people actually. Yeah. And recently, I went on my uh, my honeymoon, and we were abor- uh, abroad for almost a month and I, I tried to make really conscious choices to take things that would go with several other things in my suitcase nice. so that I wasn't feeling like I was backpacking and wearing the same thing the whole time but yeah. I had choices but within mm. a limit mm-hmm. uh, and it actually made my life a lot easier that yeah. instead of you know sitting on my bed in the morning in my towel being like oh god I've got nothing to wear <laughs> yeah. again there's, I've read about them. Um, is it like 33 items that you just own 33 items? The only oh, okay. cautious thing I would say really is that if you're going to start, if you take this like steadfast approach to I'm only going to have 33 items and I'm going to create a capsule wardrobe, the danger is that you get rid of things in the process. Sure. And like we're saying, if you're donating stuff to charity that's not of a decent quality or you could have extended the life of that thing that you owned for a little bit longer. Obviously, if you own something that no longer matches anything else yeah. that you own, you're never going to wear it again. Try and see if any of your friends and family might want it. Donate it to charity if it's still in good condition. I just want to avoid people just throwing things away. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That's come up in in previous episodes. Uh, and actually, when you do sit down to think about it, so when you asked me this two episodes ago about what's the oldest item that I own, I actually I couldn't really think of anything. But now doing the prep work for this episode. I realised that actually there's a lot more things that I owned for a lot longer. There is something quite satisfying in itself in digging something out of a box or a backpack or whatever or the back of your cupboard nice. that you haven't worn for a while. And I'm quite into kind of my clothes and fashion and being able to restyle it in a different way. There is also something quite satisfying in that. It's mm-hmm. not quite that sort of quick release that you get when you buy something new. But um, I 
just trying to capitalize i guess more on that sort of feeling i love it and i mean if you've got yeah if you store things properly and you can do and you've got the space then um, I think actually a little bit of hoarding clothes isn't necessarily mm-hmm. a bad thing. I love that. Yeah. And then you can come back to it for a different season. So I figured when we were talking about these things, there's a lot of confusion about certain terms that get used. So if you're wanting to make environmentally conscious decisions about your the clothes that you wear, um, the words fair trade, sustainable, ethical and organic get mentioned. And I think I brought these up before. The thing I just wanted to highlight rather than going into detail about what the definitions are, if a make says ethical on it or says sustainable on it, people who are selling that product might have met criteria um, in order to determine that it's sustainable, but they might have stipulated that criteria for themselves. It might not be a certified criteria. Essentially, a lot of these words can be used without being checked. And that's, that's, I think, interesting in terms of there are some brands, I know, for example, ASOS and H&M have gone to have more like conscious ranges, as they call them. But interestingly, I've never noticed, like you mentioned about uh, having endorsement from the soil association yeah i've never really noticed that any brands promoting okay you know with approval from the soil association that sort of thing yeah. and it could be there i don't know maybe i just don't know what i'm looking for but yeah. it's not something that's could have been blatantly pointed out to me before i guess i just wanted to mention it because say those conscious items like you mentioned on some of the labels it could be that 10 percent of the materials used for that item were ethically sourced but 90 percent of the materials weren't ethically ethically sourced it wasn't transport the people who were working in the conditions to transport it to um, harvest those materials everything mm-hmm. weren't ethical so i really wanted to highlight the soil association because if you do see that on items that means and you can go on their website to find out who they do endorse then they really have like yeah. strict criteria in order to be certified as mm-hmm. organic as sustainable as better working conditions as not having an, as negative an impact on the climate there's also GOTS, so G-O-T-S, so the Global Organic Textiles. They also have a label, which we'll put a link to. Um, so again, their fibres are organic. They have to meet strict environmental and social standards. They protect workers' rights. Their working conditions are safe and hygiene- hygienic. And you use like lower impact dyes. The wastewater is treated properly mm-hmm. and energy and water use is monitored. So what you're saying really then is that you're looking at this in terms of the whole supply chain. Yeah, exactly. In that that supply chain itself isn't actually just about the production of clothes or the fact that they're using like tens of gallons of water, that textile and fashion industry is a lot more complicated than that. A hundred percent. And I guess one of, I'm going to do a shout out now for the People Tree, who are a clothes website, fashion website, and all of their items, I believe, are certified by the soil association and it's just yeah i just wanted to highlight that those are there and in, you know if you're really wondering okay you've, you've inspired me i'd like to start buying uh, i do need some new clothes or the uh, one item new in the next six months or whatever you mm-hmm. decide to do chances are you're going to need to buy more clothes in your life so if you're going to do it yeah. then and you've decided you're willing to pay that bit more or you want to look into it then maybe starting off with the gots um, textiles and the soil association you know that they've been certified and then didn't you say something about looking at i guess the different rankings of how kind of ethical different companies are so ones that you might assume are kind of a really good on on paper uh because they may be a more expensive brand doesn't necessarily mean that's the case yeah so recently i found a website called good on you and they rate different brands mm-hmm. so i'm quite a fan of levi's in that they have in a lot of their stores a repair section so my yeah. partner's taken a number of his jeans to be fixed and it's like five pounds and you collect yeah. them within a few days and i just think that's amazing and they usually collect old jeans in most of their stores for mm-hmm. recycling but on the good on you website they didn't rate as highly as i expected them to and there was such a huge selection of jeans on there like 
I, I just thought, oh, I'm really stuck. I don't know where to get stuff from. But actually, the Good On You website really gave you a choice and tells you how they rate different items. Okay. And then if certain beliefs of yours are more important than others, then you can see how different brands are rated on there for different things. And do you have any other brands that you could recommend to me and, my, and our listeners? Yeah, I would definitely recommend uh, Vija Trainers, so V-E-J-A. Ah, yes, I've seen them. They're like bigger vegan brand, yeah, right? Yeah, uh-huh. they've won loads of awards for being like incredibly environmentally conscious sustainable i feel like they're in holland i don't know if i'm making that up and they're really actually really an on fashion on trend yeah, they look good. brand uh i you know there's so many people wearing them from kind of your a-list celebs to kind of you know your regular joe walking down the street yeah and i would recommend them because i've had a pair and they're, they're lasting really well patagonia is an amazing brand they do some really cool stuff there's all kinds of recycling and stuff they really seem to look into the impact of their business. Mm-hmm. I would say though that I they are oh, on, on the more pricey end. Ludicrously expensive, yeah. <laughs> so uh, not unfortunately for everybody. Exactly, which is why we went through the accessibility yeah. stuff. And I'm such a pro for charity shopping as well. Yeah. I just thought I'd mention these. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then um, there's two websites that I think are really cool. So one is called Made to Last, and another is called Buy Me Once, and they put have a range of items on there. For example, this isn't fast fashion, but um, we've bought a saucepan on that website because it has done all kinds of checks and shown and you get lifetime guarantee and things that are you suppose you're buying yeah. and they yeah made to last buy me once they do exactly what they say on the tin yeah and that's interesting like i don't have really many luxury items in yeah. terms of luxury brand items but for example i do own sort of more high-end designer bag that was a, pr- a present nice. for a special time of year and actually um some of the stitching came sort of started fraying and immediately they took it and fixed it um for me without any cost that's a very high level, not going into, I guess, what that brand does or where they make their clothes, but in terms of sometimes when you are paying more money for things, it does mean that you you might be able to, that brand might be willing to repair. It's a really good point. We've got an umbrella with the same thing where you can send it back if it, if it yeah. breaks and then they'll fix it for you. And I think it's really worth mentioning, you know, if you pay more for stuff, then there's a good chance you'll, you'll be in a yeah. position. But then it's also a good point that you still have to do your research that just because it costs more, it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean. A brand that I'd just like to mention, I am uh, particularly kind of keen on promoting anything from Cornwalls. That's where I went to uni and I've got a soft spot for it. But there's this brand called Finisterre. It might be Finisterre, but I pronounce it Finisterre. Uh, they do have a, f- a flagship store in London, or they did, based down in down in Cornwall. But they uh, uh, a lot of their products, including like their wetsuits and things, are made from merino wool. And it's been sort of ethically sourced. I think they make their clothes possibly in Portugal. But they again, they're very, because they're kind of owned by people kind of into surfing and into the ocean a kind of a really sort of ethical brand and for example you can take your uh, clothing into store they're like i've got a merino wool cardigan from them that i've been meaning to take it for a little while to get them to repair that for me amazing we've done so many recommendations these all these shout outs are we're not getting paid for no exactly yeah and successfully i've mentioned emma watson and barack obama so this has been a great <laughs> podcast um i guess i just the last thing i wanted to mention was like of all the things that if you're going to try and spend more money on something, the thing that I found most difficult is shoes. And I've spent maybe a bit more money on shoes mm-hmm. because the vast majority of shoes I seem to find now are made deliberately so that they can't be repaired. And, and interestingly on that point, uh, there's been some sort of negative press coverage on the Dr. Martins, for example, oh, this week. Um, and talking about how uh, the fact that they are not maybe as hard wearing or made as well as they used to. People saying that, you know, a pair that they bought 10 years ago lasted you know, 10 years and now the, the pay that they've bought most recently is, has lasted significantly less period of time, uh, which is uh, interesting and, and also a bit of a shame. Yeah, and frustrating because, you know, we can advocate for making things last longer. The last podcast was about responsible stewardship, but if the mater- if you can't 
source or something that you would be able to fix then that's a huge problem yeah. and another I guess on a shoe brand so for example I think it's so my friend's husband oh no my friend's partner sorry is uh, really into his wellies uh, and uh, <laughs> I had a pair of hunter wellies which are very expensive and they split so the rubber split at the back of them okay. and there wasn't really a way to get that repaired and interestingly he was telling me about how they shifted their production from being based around in the UK to overseas and the quality has sort of reduced since then but obviously the prices haven't right okay as ever i think we should end the episode with some top tips what can our listeners do okay so the probably the gospel would try to be not to shop in the january sales but i'm going to be setting myself that challenge this year so if you if you do have to shop then a couple of things from me something i've been trying to do a lot this year not just in the january sales but at any time is when you're online shopping not kind of trying to buy immediately so what i'll do is i'll see a lot of items that i like i was doing this yesterday for example and i'll put them all into my online basket and then my rule is i'll come back to it later so if i come back to it later and it's still in the basket and i still want it then it's quite likely that i may purchase it mm -hmm. Or sometimes, actually, 99% of the time, I completely forget about it. Or I might come and I'll revise the basket. So I'll take some things out and think, actually, I didn't really want that. I don't really need it. And I think that's had a, a significant impact on the amount that I purchase. Nice. If you are going to go out to the January sales, or even actually if you're buying online, think about what you are purchasing. And can you ask yourself these three questions? Uh, do you need it? Will it last? Is this something that you would have bought otherwise if it wasn't on sale? And if you can't answer yes to any of those questions, then it's mm -hmm. probably not something that you that you need or want. And the aim is to be wiring something 50 times, not five. Like that's the yeah. overall like sort of figure that gets um, banded around a lot. Yeah. So. so you've got like a lot of brands on online now. So for example, like Boohoo, that's particularly cheap. So, you know, something that usually costs 10 or 15 pound and they reduce that down to, you know, five pound or seven pound. Uh, just think about, you know, how how long is that item going to last you? Yeah, exactly. If you are out shopping and you know you don't have that online basket method that you can leave, you know, if you can try your hardest not to give into that pressure of, you know, that Alan Carr joke again, rifling through the rails to find the thing that you want um, and not feel pressured to buy it right there and then, maybe go for a coffee, go for lunch and then come back um, and buy it again. And if, uh, you know, it's something that you still want after you've had a little time to think about it, then, then you know, by all means, that's up to you whether you want to purchase it or not. Next, I'd say, as we've already mentioned about looking for brands that are more ethical and environmentally conscious. And actually, it's a perfect time of year to buy from brands like that because they also have sales on so things that you exactly. traditionally wouldn't be able to afford are more affordable like i mean i mentioned finisterre the cardigan i own from them i got that in a sale nice. uh, and it was significantly reduced um, and i probably wouldn't have bought it if it had been the original price so that's mm -hmm. kind of the, the perfect opportunity to to purchase something and lastly i would say just think about the price so similar to black friday and when we mentioned in the last episode and talking about buying gifts and presents is if you are buying online check the price history is it really a good price um is it just kind of a nominal reduction and is there kind of other times of year where the price might come down if it's not something you need right now and i guess i had a few little sort of tips and things to be aware of yeah if you're going to go shopping in stores then take bags with you not all yeah. even if stores give you paper bags for your clothes there's still nothing to stop you from taking reusable bag bags anywhere yeah. and don't leave them in your boot yeah <laughs> the car that maybe you may or may not be driving and i've been reading it's quite interesting when you start to compare whether it's better to buy clothes online or whether it's better to go to the high street and buy them obviously there is energy and associated costs 
to having a physical store but if you buy online and request for next day delivery Mm -hmm. say for example and you order three of something because you want to try the different sizes there's a good chance that because you've ordered next day delivery that the van won't be full so the carbon footprint of that van is well going to be high and then there's going to be return of at least one or two or possibly yeah. all of those items which has a real effect on packaging a real effect on pollution and emissions from the, that, that vehicle whereas in comparison if you went shopping intentionally knowing what it is you want to get get public transport to get there and redu- you know you buy something off the rack then you're there's less packaging involved there's been no additional carbon for you to have bought that item and you've gone with an intention of knowing what it is you're looking for mm-hmm. that doesn't always work and there's some definite um, pros yeah. and cons to either way but it's just something about being intentional what i'm trying to say is that obviously people buy things online for different sizes and then they get the chance to um, try them on choose green delivery if it's okay to wait a few days which most of the time it is you know we don't live in a world of urgency select greener delivery that means the van's going to be likely to be fuller and that's actually better than individual people going down yeah. to the high street and i mean the biggest overall aim here is to buy less you know and care for what we own so i thought i would end with some tips which i learned a lot looking into this of how to care for your clothes to extend their life mm-hmm. um so i've already mentioned you should be aiming to wear your items 50 times not five i loved this this tip but if you're in the kitchen wear an apron it's very old school but it's such a good idea like to avoid stains on yeah. your clothes that might be impossible to get out yeah like uh even though i didn't end up wearing it i was fine uh my mother-in-law bought me an apron for my wedding day (laughs) because i am notoriously clumsy and i was worried about getting red wine and uh (laughs) barbecue uh food down my wedding dress I love it. So you've got an apron, so you're all sorted. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to air out your shoes, which I didn't know anything about. Oh, it's a real that. old school idea. You shouldn't hang up anything that's made of wool on hangers that should always be going to drawers oh. because it stretches out of shape. Their wool is too that. heavy, so you shouldn't be hanging up wool, and I didn't know that either. No. Really, if we're jamming all of our clothes into the closet, it's not breathable. They'll rub against each other. You've got a bigger chance of mothballs and fading, so mm-hmm. it's allowing space in your wardrobe, which will happen if you own less clothes. Don't pl- Plastic and wire hangers can stretch out your clothes. That doesn't mean everybody should go around getting rid of them it's just being wary of which hangers Mm -hmm. you're using for which items we should be reducing how much we dry clean because it does actually reduce the life of your items Mm -hmm. it might make them look nicer at that immediate moment but actually dry cleaning reduces the quality of the clothes i'm too lazy to take anything yeah it's there's a lot of tips about hanging up your clothes in a steamy bathroom just to air them out and also to um, reduce creasing yeah the biggest one for me which i was a real culprit for is use less detergent in your wash yeah obviously wash at 30 but wash less often like do your clothes actually need washing can Mm -hmm. you air it out can you steam it out out. wash denim separately turn your clothes inside out anything with a zipper or you know bras or like clips that can get caught on other yes. items you're supposed to wash separately and particularly because denim is so thicker and yeah. denser than other fabrics you're supposed to wash that separately and actually if you've got a proper denim which when you've yeah. got that stretchy um or it's got a lot of stretch in it you have to wash it more regularly but if you've got sort of proper denim with minimum minimal or zero stretch you actually shouldn't wash it it at all all. so my dad was telling me this that what you should do is like maybe only wash it once a year max Mm -hmm. and actually if you want to freshen up the denim put your jeans in the freezer Freezer. yeah yeah i love that tip i've had a pair of levi's previously that i had for about 15 years that i really barely ever washed and it they lasted so well and Mm -hmm. the shapes did so good and i did the freezer trick it really is good i liked that when i was reading about zippers and making sure you wash those separately that it said they they dance in the water zippers dance around in the water and that's what can damage your clothes have a cool and dry wardrobe try to avoid too much warmth Mm because that can damage your clothes and the final one that i was a huge culprit of thinking that i was saving water i would try to really fill the washing machine but actually it can damage your clothes they're not getting clean they rub against one another which means the fabrics fade so actually 
in your effort to save water, you're damaging your clothes, which means the life of them won't be as long. Find the optimum level for filling your washing machine. And I just really liked those because I don't think too much about the storing of my clothes in order to no. extend the life of them. I think that's a good tip. And if you can pay a little bit to have, uh, I guess, your clothes altered, uh, mm -hmm. I guess, or mended. I've tried to do it myself at home and had varying degrees of success. But like I've tried to fix cardigans before or sometimes my gym leggings, things like that. But also I have um, taken things to particularly this year and being more environmentally conscious I've lost a bit of weight is that rather than not being able to wear those items yeah. I've taken them to um, a, a local seamstress um, nice. for them to adjust and I'm still getting wear out of those clothes then whereas otherwise I would have just probably not used them again or you know stood them in my fat backpack for and supporting a local business <laughs> We did want to give a little bit of a shout out to another fellow new podcast who did do an episode on kind of fast fashion, which I would recommend you give a listen to. So we'd like to give a shout out to the Eco Warriors Club. They are uh, kind of four uh, four women uh, from Scotland who are talking about very um, kind of similar topics to us in kind of a slightly different perspective. Um, and it's really cool that uh, there's more of us out there trying to promote this sort of message that being more environmentally conscious is really challenging. Um, but trying to kind of do the best that we can and have discussions about it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Twin. Yeah. Um. So you can check them out. Uh. They have their uh podcast on all the major four platforms, just like us. Um. We'll post some links. You can find them on Instagram at Eco Warriors Club. Um. And we will, uh, as I said, post some links to uh, their content so you can give them a listen. Good stuff. And finally, we were planning to wish you a very merry Christmas and a happy new year. But unfortunately, this episode is being published a little bit later than planned. So we would just like to wish you a very happy new year. We hope you're navigating the January sales. And let us know what you think of this month's episode. Speak to you soon. Bye.